Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Um, I think that is enough. I hope that you've got your Bibles open, your Bibles ready. Uh, we're going to be exploring, going back into uh, the early part of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 4 today. And uh, if you're new to the community, if you're new to faith, uh, you can download a, a Bible app just called Bible.com Uversion, uh, and you can look up the Horsham Church of Christ events through that app. Or if you're regularly following there, it's a great opportunity to take notes, put highlights in, so that you can also go and do your further study and allow God to continue to uh, speak into your life over the course of the week. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Or if you've got your traditional paper Bibles, then of course you can use them how you might normally do, but we'd encourage you to be in the Word, be using your Scriptures, be hearing from uh, God through Scriptures as well. So um, too many opportunities uh, to simply put it aside and we want to encourage you not simply just to be hearing the Word today, but engaging, going home, going a bit deeper, uh, setting aside a bit of time during the week, uh, making a deliberate and intentional time during the week Uh, And if you need help doing that, then we'd love to have those conversations with you as well. Um, But before we go, let me just uh, pause. I feel like I get up here and I rush through things, so I just need to pause and slow down and um, then we can get into the Word a little bit as well. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, we We just... grateful for the freedom that we do have today. We recognise the freedom that we do have today and we recognise the freedom that so many throughout our world don't have to gather together, to open scriptures freely, to open scriptures in their home, to open scriptures as part of a community of faith, to talk about it so freely and openly, to explore it, to be challenged by it, to be convicted by your spirit through your word. So today, Father, we pray that uh, this word would be uh, a word full of life, full of hope, full of encouragement, conviction to those who might need it father but all full of love and a revelation that comes from your spirit uh, that we might take it and receive it and allow it to sink in and nurture us and grow and mature us as your followers uh, as those who worship you and love you so that the world would know of you through us Um, father we thank you we praise you and we honor you in the name of jesus amen Over the course of uh, the week, I receive uh, numerous text messages, uh, some asking for help, asking for uh, reflections, asking for an appointment, and every now and then you get an interesting set of text messages. Uh, So a message recently came to me uh, like this. I've been thinking, I honestly think that you would be happier if you barracked for the Bulldogs instead of Collingwood. I'm still debating what kind of relationship we actually have. Um, It's worth thinking about. I replied, I'm grateful for your concern and interest in my welfare. Unfortunately, despite the pain and suffering I will be enduring for some years to come, Collingwood is the team I barrack for, complain about and wear. Thanks for your concern though, and I genuinely hope you enjoy the, that's meant to be rest. If you get a text message, If you get a text message from me, you'll have to decipher some of it um, of the season and might even get to buy another 
grand final DVD. It's interesting though, how many grand finals have Bulldogs actually been able to participate in in their history? It's just small point. I'm not bitter at all. I'm glad you understand my only motivation is your well-being and that I'm not just being smug. <coughs> Much. I am concerned that we will be having the same conversation years down the track when I could have saved you years of misery, <laughs> says the Bulldog supporter. Did you know I grew up barracking for Carlton? Which, there's a whole other issue there. I mean, um, this person was quite disgusted that they barracked for Carlton at some stage in their life. I became disillusioned with the team after they won the 1995 Grand Final. A friend was very evangelical about the character of the Bulldogs and won me over. Never looked back. Uh, some people hate that I changed teams, but I am proud. I made a decision in line with my values. More to think about. <laughs> I want to suggest that this person has thrown a seed in my life that is nothing more than a weed. <laughs> and as followers of Jesus, friends, we actually carry seeds of life. We carry seeds of life. And these carry, this carrying seeds of life needs a present focus with an eternal perspective. A present focus with an eternal perspective and a commitment and a desire to proclaim the good news of Jesus. There's a fairly large section of text today that we're going to read through, uh, and I hope that it speaks to you. And I wanted to read it so you hear the dots being joined for yourself. I might not necessarily join all the dots, and there's other things that you'll capture and you'll see, and you'll go, oh, that's what I hope when we read these large portions of texts. Not the, um, just so that we can make our way through it. I, my hope and prayer is we don't simply get through the end of the year and have these seeds planted in us in the Gospel of Mark and go, well, that was nice. We heard through the Gospel of Mark. I'm praying like crazy that this actually changes our, the way that we view uh, how we follow Jesus and it changes and encourages us in the way that we proclaim the way of Jesus because Mark is all about proclamation. Proclamation. Uh, this teaching today in Mark chapter 4 is the first and the longest of parables, collection of parables. And parables are stories or images uh, that Jesus uses of an ordinary life that most people would understand and comprehend in, in the way that they went about life. And he uses these ordinary everyday images to communicate a kingdom concept. So here's the first few verses, few, few uh 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible apps, in your scriptures, however you do it. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. So this is a common occurrence, okay? Again, you read that a few times. Uh, and by the lake, a lot happens around the area of the lake and you'll see a little bit about that over the next few weeks. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, remember that word? A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. 
Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Listen. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce the crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Many, if you've been around for any long length of time and been in numerous conversations with me, you would have heard various conversations that express my frustration about people coming up to me at various points and saying, Simon, you never know what's going to happen out of the seeds that are sown. And my response is often, yes, but even in farmers, we like to know that there's a harvest out of the seeds that are sown, don't we? We understand that. I would love to see a great harvest of people coming into a personal relationship with Jesus. Our vision communicates our desire to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus because we want people to receive and understand this person of Jesus as someone who can change our life, who can transform our lives, who can give us hope and meaning and purpose and can uh, restore us and renew us. And we certainly live in a region where we understand how disheartening it is to sow seeds and the impact to sow seeds with no harvest. Because when we live in a season of drought or when the harvest isn't as good, we feel the impact of that throughout the city. Yeah? So we understand that in a purely physical farming dynamic. And yet we're so easily and quickly to simply acknowledge that, oh, well, we sow seeds our whole time. And so that's caused me some frustration. But as I read this uh, over the last couple of weeks and been preparing for this message, I found these words to actually bring great encouragement to my spirit in new ways, and I hope that that might be communicated today. The first thing that, um, and not that I've got a number of things, but I say firstly, The provision of God's word, the provision of God's seed never runs out. It's an abundance. He's not concerned too much with seed that gets spread or blown by the wind. It lands where it lands. In church world, in much of what we do, we're talking about strategy, we're talking about projects, we're talking about vision, we're talking about planning. And I know lots of us do that in our lives and yet the beauty and the wonder of sowing the seed of Jesus is that it's not always planned, it's not always strategic but it's deeply personal 
Because all we have to do as followers of Jesus, if you are following Jesus, is talk about what Jesus has done for us. And who can argue with that? Plenty of people might try to blow it off. Plenty of people might dismiss it. But that's not actually my responsibility. I can talk about who Jesus is and I can talk about what Jesus has done for me and how he's strengthened and encouraged my life and changed my life in a personal relationship with a loving God. See, the one who came amongst this earth as a living revelation of the heart of the Father accepts that some seed will fall on the ground that isn't yet prepared. And all the farmers amongst us are going, what a waste. And I know, like, and I don't understand some of, half of what you, actually, I don't understand much of what you do, to be honest. <laughs> Just the technology that goes into it. But I, I know that now my understanding is that seeding has changed and everything's changed and you're going to sowing now. You've thought about everything to an nth degree. That's what machinery does for us now. But that's actually restricting the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an invitation to be abundant in its expression. So the one, Jesus, who proclaims the word and you and I who proclaims the word can learn to accept that some seed will fall on the ground that isn't yet prepared. And it's not that Jesus doesn't care, but remember at the start of the text, Jesus, he wasn't just speaking to an audience, he wasn't just speaking to an auditorium, he was speaking to a crowd so large, they actually, it seems to me, they actually pushed him back where he was kind of standing, well, if I don't do something here, I'm going to be standing in the water. The crowd is so large that he gets in a boat. He's okay with that. And as he communicates the gospel, it's probably true even in this not-so-large a crowd, but still a crowd. There's some of you who will hear this and go, well, that was very nice. There's some of you who will hear this and go, man, that's going to change my life. There's some of you that will hear this and go, I've heard this all before, yawn. But this is what we do. This is who we are. Jesus is okay with this. But it doesn't cause him to be afraid or to withdraw about the spreading of the kingdom or the proclamation of the kingdom. In fact, he just accepts it. Here's the seed. Here's the word. I've got plenty. (laughs) And we don't need to be afraid or discouraged or despairing when people don't hear it or receive it in the way that we might like. Wherever the seed lands, the main concern of the one who proclaims is simply to keep proclaiming. Because wherever the seed lands, there is still a promise that there is a harvest to come. I think as I've um, grown up and matured, probably the reality is that we all look for the harvest in a particular way. There's things that I'd like to see that God isn't yet ready to do or perhaps it's not what God wants to do. And so my task is to be faithful with what I've been given. Be faithful with the, the personality and the heart and the skills and the gifts that God has given me. 
See, we don't need to be dismissive if you're following Jesus uh, and have been for a long period of time. It's not about being dismissive, obnoxious, arrogant, or even argumentative. Peter writes to the church, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And that might not even be a present reality. That might not even be the experience that they have. They might not walk away from you and go, I'm so ashamed of how they've treated you. That's an eternal perspective. A present focus with an eternal perspective. And we have to be okay and become more at peace, I think, um, with certainly having the present focus with that eternal perspective. Yes, we'd love to see a harvest. I'd love to see people following Jesus. I'd love to see homes filled with people gathered to explore the word and to unpack the word and how the word is applied in their life. I'm excited to hear some of the stories of people gathering and praying for people and praying about who they can invite and how we can be more intentional in this. And I'd love to see our house full of people who are seeking and praying for one another and wanting to grow and mature in faith, knowing that that also causes challenges. But at the end of the day, there's an eternal harvest that will come in God's time according to his purposes and out of his love. And my task is to be faithful with what I've been given. See, Jesus seems to accept in these verses the reality, seems to accept the reality of circumstances that prevents the seed producing a harvest. Some of those circumstances are, the reality is, there's an enemy working to leave people hardened in life who simply takes the word away. We heard that some seed is like falling on hard ground. As soon as it's land, it's just there for the birds taking. It's like the enemy takes it away. They don't want anything to do with it. Others, the root's shallow. As soon as it gets difficult, it's overwhelming. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, If anyone you forgive, I also forgive, and what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. So he's talking very specifically about a church dynamic, uh, a church circumstances, the community circumstances, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware of his schemes. I don't think we need to look at the world and blame Satan for everything. Sometimes just people aren't very smart. (laughs) But I think we need to have an awareness that whenever we offer a gift, there is an enemy at work. And how people receive it is up to them. Um. 1 Peter 5.8 also says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I mean, this is strong language, isn't it? (laughs) This is language that we probably moved away from and don't like hearing in the church because it's not very pleasant, it's not very comfortable. But this is a reality and we're seeing this more and more, I think. The people's lives are being devoured. 
And uh, Mark goes on as Jesus tells the story and explains the parables to his disciples, certainly that circumstances can distract us and draw us away. And even in preparing for today, there's just a real sense the last 12 months in many people's lives has caused a withdrawal from rather than an openness to. We become uncertain about how we can respond and engage with people and we become almost fearful about that rather than saying, all right, I need to be cautious, I need to be aware, but I'm going to be faithful and still participate in the community in the best way that I possibly can. And there's some reasons why people haven't participated and I'm not dismissing or dis- that's a reality. But for many people who are, who are well and have much to give, there's, there's also been this withdrawing into ourselves. What is it that I need to focus on? What is it that I want to do? See, I think actually the last 12 months has actually caused us to consider what is it that I will do to build my own comfort rather than live out of obedience to Jesus? Are we more interested in building our own kingdoms rather than making the sacrifice to build the kingdom of God? The air just got thick. We often find security and we look for security in what we can see and touch, what we can control, rather than a willingness to trust in God. Rather than a willingness to be obedient to God. Rather than a willingness to be faithful to God. And I don't know what your journey, I know some of your journeys, but maybe you're sitting here today watching online, this is your first time and you're seeking to discover Jesus. This is the most beautiful, most generous, most amazing life, but it's a costly life to follow Jesus as well. But if we pay the cost in this present moment with an eternal perspective, we will not be disappointed. And we will see a harvest in our own lives and in the lives of those around us that we can't even begin to imagine. But it must be in obedience in a willingness to pay attention rather than building up our own kingdoms and a life of comfort. <clears throat> Mark goes on in verse 21 following. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. <laughs> There's a pattern here, isn't there? Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. (laughs) With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And now, listen, Jesus isn't talking about personal possessions here. He's talking about our receiving of and our willingness to participate in the ways of the kingdom. Do you want to see more of the kingdom? Then participate in the ways of the kingdom. Do you want to see more of the kingdom revealed? Then be one who reveals the kingdom. Maybe you need some time to digest that. And I, just, I just love this sense of listen. If you have ears, pay attention. Let them hear. This isn't just, I heard this, this is a night. You know, again, I heard the message from Jesus. Wow, we go home, we have our lunch, and man, that was... Yeah, it was 10 out of 10 or 5 out of 10. Yeah, he wasn't quite on point as he was the other day. 
There was no miracles today. He didn't really do anything special today. How disappointing to hear that kind of long-winded message. Jesus is actually saying, here's the word, here's the seed. If you hear it, receive it, let it take root, now go and do something with it. That's what it is to hear. Does the, life we re- does the life we live reveal the seeker of the kingdom of God? And what do we do with what we hear and what we read? <clears throat> so I, need, I, I, I guess I want to position myself and I want to encourage us to position ourselves personally and in a community that reveals the joy and the wonder of following Jesus. Set time aside. Be in his word. Discern our response Ask God to reveal how that might lead and encourage us in that moment, in that day, in that present moment. What needs to be brought in the life into light through his word? It's costly and it's sacrificial, but it's life-giving as we live in the resurrection power of Jesus. The church needs to recapture that this power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is available to you and I. Practice being in the presence of Jesus privately so we can walk in the ways of Jesus publicly. And this is what it looks like. He also said this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. What's, if you're following Jesus, what's your responsibility? Sow the seed. Verse 28, all by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Um, <clears throat> the beautiful thing about parables, now many of you, if you've studied this or if you've done any further research, or, and you'll, you'll read through this parable and there'll be, there might be things popping off for you and revelations, and that's the nature of Scripture, that's the nature of parables. They're designed that way, so you, every time you read them, you see something different. So if you're sitting here going, Simon, what about that? Simon, what about that? Great. That's the point. I can't give you the full smorgasbord. You get to choose what you participate in. I'm responsible to carry and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And there's moments, I think, where I'm also one of those people that I just prepare the soil. I just get into positions where I'm preparing the soil. But I might not be doing it all at any given time. I wasn't actually organised to buy everyone a packet of mustard seeds. I would have loved to have bought every family here a packet of mustard seeds. Um, I spoke to someone who understands horticulture more than I do, and I was more confused at the end of it. Um... And Bunnings only had eight packets anyway. <laughs> so I did look. I did look. Um, and I did actually type in 100 packets and it just went bright red. It didn't want to do it for me. Um, 
See, the, the thing about this that some commentators said is what's fascinating in this parable, if you want to impress people with images of the kingdom, you might use images of like a, a cedar tree or an oak tree. That's impressive, isn't it? You know, what, you know some of those gum trees that you see, you know, the, there's probably a correct term for them, so many of you have been around for 20 years, you understand my capacity around gardening and knowledge of gardening and science. You know those, the gum trees, the, just the white trunk just goes straight up yeah you know you've seen it yes i don't ask for much seven now and then when i ask a direct question you know i mean that's an impressive tree isn't it you know we you know we could change this parable you know the kingdom of god is like a gum tree and we go oh wow jesus used this pathetic little mustard tree the seed is a millimeter now and I looked up, again, you go and look up mustard trees, and there's so many variations. But in this area where Jesus is walking, this is probably the common accepted way that a mustard tree, mustard tree, I don't know what tree it is, I don't even know what that is, um, a mustard tree would look. And this is how Jesus describes the kingdom of God. And it's enough for the birds of the air to come and have a seed. And what happens when they have a seed and they leave the tree? They drop it somewhere else. We don't need to go in that process, but... Yeah. And apparently so all people saw this and they understood that these mustard trees are just... Why am I using mustard treed? I don't know why that word keeps coming out. Mustard tree dropped all over the place and it's gangly and it's not very pretty it doesn't look very well planned or pruned or strategic but it grows and it provides protection and shade and blessing for the birds of the air and this is what the kingdom of God is like Here's some scattered seeds that I've been reminded of over the last few months. So over the last course of 18 months, there's been this idea to develop a meal box, partnership with the Emergency Food Centre to provide some basic home-cooked meals. I've heard story of a couple who were called into a home where their marriage is in crisis and they, they walk into that home and it's recognised that they bring an immediate peace and they're able to declare the hope in Jesus. The coach family mentors are perhaps cultivating the soil in readiness for seeds to be sown. Uh, heard last week the story of a, a life group that have in, in their retirement villages, uh, in, in retirement village, have invited others in the retirement village to join their life group in the community centre, and they've seen a couple of people come and participate in the conversation. The friend who visits on a regular basis and someone else who took uh, another friend who was feeling a bit disconnected out for lunch and showed them some love and remembered and called them into community again. Families who despite their own struggles and hardships feel a deep sense of call to foster children. Those who work and serve in welfare and chaplaincy. The faithfulness of praying parents. The parents encouraging their children to pray and read scripture. Our children and youth declaring their faith, choosing the ways of Jesus in their schoolyard, even at cost to their own personal kind of sense of well-being 
and security sometimes. The team's developing ways to make disciples partnership, in partnership with families amongst our emerging generations. Teams that work to provide facilities here that serve and bless our community. And I've said it before, but people walk in and they know not just about the building, but by the care and the attention that they get. Seeds being cast. The conversation, the prayers and the encouragement that I see every week as people gather around our morning tea. Just a few seeds. Now some of that is about us having the courage to take the next step if you follow Jesus for any length of time to say, this is who I know Jesus to be for me. And that might be how the conversation starts. I think we've probably lost a bit of confidence. We've been knocked a little bit. We're not sure what we can say. But no one can argue with who Jesus is to us and how we've experienced him. And I'm praying for more confidence and more boldness in that. Just a few seeds. These are seeds and you know, we need to go from just being light and doing nice things and you know, then an expression of kingdom of God to being able to proclaim and communicate why we do these things. So there's abundance of opportunity to proclaim good news just by saying who Jesus is and what he has done in us. So again, I want to I invite you in. I want to ask you a question. Are you ready for the question? Oh, thank you. That's good. I've still got your attention. You're still paying attention, still listening. Good. Good, good, good. And this is, this, I've got no plan. I've got no strategy. I've got no outcome. I've got no end goal in this except to see people in a personal relationship with Jesus. Single question you might want to take away. Who is your one in 2021? Huh? Did you like that? It took me hours to think that up. No. <laughs> Who is your one in 2021? Just one. Now, so who is your one who doesn't know Jesus in your circle? Who is your one that you can be more intentional in praying for that they might come to know Jesus? Who is your one that you might serve with grace and generosity and kindness that you would be motivated by the knowledge that there are plenty of seeds in the kingdom of God? It might be the most annoying person in your circle of friends that immediately comes to mind. Oh, that might be a spirit thing that you need to pay attention to. Who is the one who you will intentionally and deliberately pray for the opportunity to proclaim who Jesus is to you? Who might you be able to invite to mainly music, to our youth, to our children, to crafty friends, to, um, to one of any of our events that are coming up throughout the year, to a Sunday gathering? Who is the one you will ask God for the courage to invite them to maybe make a time to read scripture because they've shown some interest. Would you like to read scripture with me and let's discover what God says and reveals to us? Who is the one that you could discuss their next steps in following Jesus? Who is the one that you'd like to invite? Would they like to receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? Now, there might be four or five people that are different spaces, different steps in their journey with following Jesus. That might all just be one person. But who is your one in 2021? Now, I'm not going to chase this up. I'm not going to harp on it. You know, I hope that one day there might be some stories where someone says, because that question was asked, I became a follower of Jesus. Because that question was asked, I came and heard a message. And I didn't know what church was about. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories from people who have come outside the church. They've been blown away by the way that we do church, by the way that we gather together, by the sense of community, and they've come to know Jesus. 
because of those conversations. Sometimes the people who are most afraid about the church are the people who have been around the church for a long period of time. Who is your one in 2021? I want to invite you to consider where you travel this week. Consider the intersecting paths. Remember, this is a present focus with an eternal perspective. You consider the amount of people who cross your path at this very moment. And the seed that you can cast in that very moment that you might not ever see the harvest from, but you can walk away knowing that there is a promise of harvest to come. That you can cast a seed, that you can throw a seed and entrust that seed to Jesus. And entrust that God is working the soil. And trust that even the birds of the air who might pick it up, who knows where they will drop that seed. Again, we don't need to go through the process, but... Who is your one in 2021? And maybe you're sitting here today, all of this is actually an invitation to decide and make the decision to follow Jesus. This is all that Jesus is about. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And maybe you're sitting here today and you've been arguing for months, maybe for years... And maybe today is the moment that you say, I need to put my roots in the ground, stop making excuses, stop allowing circumstances to determine my response and set my heart and my mind and my spirit towards Jesus. I need to make some costly decisions to follow Jesus, knowing that there's a harvest to come. As our team come up, our song that um, we're no longer slaves, we're <clears throat> we're not, we don't need to be given to fear. And maybe, maybe you just want prayer um, for the conversations that you're in. Maybe you've got someone in mind. And, and look, I, I make myself available, but our elders are available, our ministry team is available. And maybe it's just turning to your family members or maybe it's just drawing across someone that you've had a conversation with hey, and say, hey, this is the person I'd love to pray for and with. Can you, can you help me in that? Can you hold me you know, can you ask me how that's going in a couple of weeks, in a few months' time? Can you, can you be the person who excites me and reminds me of this question, this moment, this promise, of a present focus with an eternal perspective? Can you keep me on track with that? And it might just be a Sunday morning conversation, it might be a text message, it might be a phone call. So this opportunity is really up to you. Maybe today you want to make that declaration to follow Jesus. We do encourage you to step out of your seat and come to the front as an intentional moment where you say yes and other people can gather around you and cheer you on and we can get you connected. But this is a recognition, whatever is happening, that we don't need to be slaves to fear. We're not slaves to fear because of what Jesus has done. But we are called as followers of Jesus to go and proclaim the good news.